welcome to Right to Life, Michigan's Life Beat. I'm your host today, Chris Gast. Joining us today are Anna Visser and Grace Hemmeke. Ladies, Hello. how's it going? Hello. It's pretty snowy today. It's very um, snowy. It's Thursday, actually. Right. So we are so committed to bringing you the podcast this week that in case it's uh, snowmageddon again in Grand Rapids. I think we're just hoping that it's snowy tomorrow <laughs> and jumping the gun and recording it today. Well, for today, uh, we have a feature and we're going to be talking about euthanasia. We haven't talked about it a lot lately, but uh, it got found itself in the news again because I don't know that's just how it happens the news just stumbles upon some horrible ugly thing and is like look look at this for 24 hours uh, but actually we got a couple of news cycles out of Canada um, two things in particular first a lot of people saw on uh, at least on Twitter a gentleman named Amir Farsoud from Ontario who uh, was living in low-income housing and was going to have to be leaving that and had nowhere else to go and was requesting uh, for MAID, which is their nice acronym for Medical Assistance in Dying, also known as Assisted Suicide, uh, because he couldn't have anywhere else to live. So he just wanted to die, or he felt he had to die because he didn't want to be homeless. Um, it's pretty bad. And the reason Canada has had this greater focus lately is when they started with their euthanasia law, it continues expanding. Where we are now uh, is that next year, Canada's euthanasia law will expand to include the mentally ill. And if I'm not mistaken, ladies, depression is a mental illness, right? Well, not just depression. Like well, right. ADHD. But, and... but, uh, but, but yeah, but uh, basically wanting to commit suicide is now a reason that you should be able to be helped to commit suicide in, chi in, uh, in I almost said China, in Canada. Is there a difference, China, Canada these days? There's a little it doesn't difference. seem like it. There's more maple syrup in Canada. They also... And they have hockey. Are you referring to the the bill that was introduced? Yes. Um, it says in a live action article that they can also um, permit an individual whose death is not reasonably foreseeable to enter into a written arrangement to receive made on a specified day if they lose the capacity to cons um, consent. And then they also allow people who are diagnosed with serious illnesses um, that they, they don't even have to give a final consent. They just had to sign up for it and consent when they signed up. But if they, you know, can't mm -hmm. consent in the end, they can still kill them. So um, before we get into it, let's just put a little background into it. So um, euthanasia is the act of killing of a person, um, supposedly for mercy. Assisted suicide is exactly like it sounds. You're committing suicide, but someone is uh, assisting you or almost helping you commit the act itself. Uh, in uh, the Netherlands, is the pioneer of assisted suicide. Uh, in our modern times, um, I guess you could call Nazi Germany the pioneer of euthanasia, uh, which is a very important reason why so many European countries have been so um, reluctant to jump headlong into it. 
Uh, Canada has gone all in on assisted suicide. In America, Oregon was the first state, and then now California and a couple other states have followed. Uh, in Michigan, we defeated that effort in 1998, and it was only a couple of years ago, it was the first time they brought it back up again in our state. Um, obviously, we in Michigan should be pretty well versed in this topic because Jack Kevorkian was here uh, in Michigan killing patients, but uh, just, you know, the slippery slope is real and how this always goes is first it's proposed that we're going to legalize assisted suicide for people who have six months to die, uh, six months to live, and uh, there'll be rigorous safeguards and yada, yada, yada. And then after people get comfortable with that, you know, the categories always expand. Um, and right now we're talking about in places like Canada and in, in the Netherlands, we're talking about children, um, older minors without parental consent. We're not talking about parental consent here in the state of Michigan. Um, the sick expands into the, the mentally ill um, or people Infants. with any health condition that's not necessarily terminal. Uh, and it, it just, it always goes that way. So, um, where do you all want to start with <laughs> this awful, awful topic that is coming well, to us pretty soon? I think if we don't stop. Roughly, everyone knows um, what you know euthanasia or assisted suicide is, and there there might be some people that agree with it. Um, but I think you have to consider the specific cases and how wide it does expand and how there's not really any regulations anymore, especially in Canada. Um, and that's why it's so important that we keep a ban on it. So maybe we should go through all the different cases that you know are in the news recently and you can see as an example of what you know what the slippery slope is, what it looks like. Well, that sounds good, Anna. Why yeah. don't you take us away? <laughs> um, well, I found a story about a man from Canada, from Toronto, and his name is Michael Fraser. And he, um, he had a very hard and sad life. He grew up being abused constantly. Um, and a lot of people knew about it. His, his mom knew about it. His siblings knew about it. And no one ever did anything about it. So now he's older. Well, he was older. And um, he got liver disease. He was unable to walk. And he that made him qualify for MAID. He was living in, um, he was getting some sort of money every month for, I think, a disability. Um, I believe it was like $1,100 a month. And then his apartment that he lived in was $950 a month. So that didn't leave him a lot of room. And so actually his doctor um, is included in this article about him saying, you know, I, it felt really wrong. It felt like I should have been helping him. It felt like, you know, part of it was that he was poor. Part of it was that he couldn't afford his housing. Um, maybe we should have gotten him help mental health for the abuse he experienced maybe I could have done more but you know I did what he wanted me to do 
And I think that's interesting because um, when I think people think of euthanasia, they think of terminally ill people who are in pain and whatever reasons. But it's kind of becoming more of a if you're a burden mm-hmm. to society, to your family, to yourself, you can't pay for things, you don't have health insurance, you can't get your medications, you can't afford housing, you're qualified for MAID. So it's kind of turning into that on the slippery slope. Yeah, you know, and just the name itself is interesting because where they want to go is you don't shouldn't have to have a doctor help you, but it says medical assistance in dying or aid in dying. Uh, so they want it. So you, you don't have to have a doctor to do it, and you don't have to be, actually be dying to get it. But right. it's still made, right? Right. Um, so what worries me with cases like that and, and Mr. Farood that we talked about at the beginning is – um, anytime you have a moral concern and our society is very individualistic and sees everything through the lens of personal experience and, uh, you know, a terminal illness or a chronic illness or a mental illness is, uh, you know, the, the, the thought of I have to deal with that can be very stressful and burdening uh, to someone. And so anytime you have this moral component line up with an economic component it's very it could be either very good if it's a good thing or very bad if it's a bad thing so here we have you know oh all these people are suffering and you know if if I'm poor if I don't have somewhere to live if I have to deal with a mental illness for a long period of time you know what's my quality of life going to be and then with the way that we're moving in America and Canada and everywhere else western civilization is a aging society where we, where we just can't, and these are typically older people or adults uh, who fall into these categories, people who necessarily can't uh, take care of themselves entirely. Um, and we have fewer and fewer young people, you know, paying into these programs and insurance and entitlements and et cetera. Uh, there's just a great economic incentive to essentially uh, eliminate uh, people like Mr. Farood or 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 Mr. Frazier who are not out there working, you know, 60 hours a week and making fat stacks of cash. Um, so anytime we have, that just worries me. Every time we have an economic interest like that, it'd be better. We think if we just get rid of all these people, line up with a moral interest, which is, oh, these people must have a life that's not worth living. They're better off dead. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Canada's eyes, it's easier to let someone feel like they are choosing to die when really they're just being pressured and mm-hmm. coerced yeah. into it instead of paying for maybe services that would help him with his with his childhood trauma or services that would give him better housing where he could actually walk around and leave his house and afford it yeah it's pretty obvious that in canada's eyes state resources are of greater value than human life right but it's disguised as you're making the choice yourself and we're empowering you to die in your own terms but not really so we're gonna push you in a corner yeah so when oregon legalized assisted suicide there are not really guidelines except for the fact that they do collect some statistics and uh, they would have people answer a basic survey you know why are you doing this 
And usually the argument at the very beginning used to justify assisted suicide anywhere is these are going to be people in intractable pain. Like we can't do anything. They're really suffering. Um, I mean, as we see in Oregon, the reason people were choosing to commit suicide uh, with assistance was not because they were actually experiencing pain. Um, it was their fear, fear that I'm going to be in pain or especially fear of loss of autonomy, which is includes fear of being a burden on your family members. So um, we live in a society that just stinks with how we treat in my view, how we treat the elderly, they're kind of, um, well, they're shipped off to death's waiting room, you know, at a nursing home. I mean, and not that's even not true. A lot of people, some of them enjoy being in these nursing homes because they're around people their age and there's activities and, and there's all that. But, but still there's a loneliness and your family can't always be there. I mean, it takes a lot of effort for a family member to be constantly, um, you know, visiting a senior citizen, whereas the older model was generally older, uh, your older relatives lived with someone who's younger. So you had people to interact with that were your family members you were close to uh, all the time. So, um, you know, w we just tell, we basically tell old people in our country that you are a burden. You're useless and you're just taking away from your younger your children's and your other family members, you're just taking away from their lives and all the great stuff they could experience and uh, like getting stuck in traffic on 131, which is my fate <laughs> in about a half hour here. Um, all those wonderful things in life. So yeah, and, and then they, so I've decided, well, I don't want to be a burden. I'm going to make this decision for my family members. That's just terrible. So people are kind of being led to believe, oh, this is my autonomous decision. I made this. I was free of coercion and pressure. But our entire society exists to tell people that unless you're out there living your best life now, I mean, you essentially are a burden or your life isn't really worth living, which is ironic because, I mean, we still talk about self-esteem as if that's so important. Yeah, and I was just going to say, not not even just the elderly it's the disabled or unborn children or anyone that can't go get a job for themselves needs help in some sort of way is a burden to someone else needs to be taken care of any sort of thing like that is viewed mm -hmm. how you were just describing right and you know we should say that you know, I mean, I take care of a of an of an adult disabled uh, my brother. Uh, it is a, a bit of a burden. It is frustrating at times, um, but that's. I mean, if if you have that opinion of others, you need to look inward and see that. I mean, no person is comes out of the womb and can take care of themselves. Like people invest eighteen years of taking care of you as a kid, and you are incapable generally of doing that. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure every single adult person, uh, every person listening to this is a burden to people, their friends at times, <laughs> and their coworkers, and they're like, you know, that's what part, I mean, that's the entire point of civilization is, um, besides, you know, keeping people from just murdering you is, uh, you know, providing for one another, 
and and that's what life is but yeah we've just come to believe that life is you know a sitcom on netflix and you know not all the other stuff that's part of it so i mean every single person at one point even in their most active years is a burden in some way on other people bosses are burdens on their uh subordinates anna <laughs> subordinates grace are, bo- are burdens on their boss me i'm not a burden on anyone i'm just special oh, um yeah? okay. right like I, I i'm a burden on you too uh, on our third attempt to start the podcast <laughs> uh i mean that's just that's what life is and i don't know what kind of what kind of civilization are we building where um, only the privileged few are worthy of life and everyone else is just a useless eater? You know, Someone could say survival of the fittest. <laughs> well, the philosophical implication is that burdens are inherently bad, right? That's the implication of maid and euthanasia. Yeah, and, we right. come to accept that any burden, any pain it's, is shouldn't have to bad. be. Yeah. Yep. And then that individual choice is equal to or greater than human life. And that's the argument that the pro-abortionists make. That's the argument for euthanasia. Right. I have a choice. I don't care that I'm living or that you know, or I'm killing another person. Yeah, fear doctor. This person has a choice, and I'm just going to help them have their choice, basically. That could be a wrong choice, though. But it's their choice. (laughs) Yep. And it's very interesting how that choice gets filtered into this issue. So if I told you that, um, you know, that uh, Mr. Frazier committed suicide, a lot of people either be like, oh, well, good for him, you know. He didn't have life worth living. But if we told you, oh, this 18-year-old high school graduate just committed suicide, you know, people would be feel bad and oh, they had so much to live for. I don't and... know that people, if you heard that this man, Michael Frazier, committed suicide just on his own at his house, you wouldn't you wouldn't be like, oh, good for him. He's made his choice. No, it's still a sad thing as long as you're the one doing it. But if you have a doctor there doing it, if you right. apply for it through the government, right. then it's fine. I actually went onto the Canadian government's website because I wanted to see if they had suicide prevention hotlines and resources, and they did. So they're very clearly stating that they don't want suicide, that they're there to help people who are suicidal. Hey, don't commit suicide, eh? Well, you're unless made. unless what? we help you, yeah. let us help you. Yep, it looks better. I did see that countries that have assisted suicide are made. Um, have a higher rate of suicide. And the, yeah, the second part of my thought is, you know, when we talk about these topics with people, because that's part of our job as an organization, assisted suicide and euthanasia are two of our core issues. Um, you know, we find that when you tell people that like countries that embrace euthanasia and assisted suicide have higher suicide rates, and, and this is typically the, the bad the quote-unquote bad suicides of people who aren't a burden, um, you know, that should be obvious because uh, an important part of this topic, we talk about pressure and autonomy and all that, is suicide contagion is a real thing. So a a social contagion is basically the idea that a a social idea, 
a meme, uh, however you want to refer to it, is uh, almost transferred between people like an infectious disease. So, and, and this is well reflected in statistics and the literature that when you see someone commit suicide, especially if that person is um, an important person and it's uh, portrayed in a glamorous light, because uh, even with some people, there is almost a glamorous uh, aspect to it, you see more suicides. And so um, it's just basic common sense. And so when you tell people that, oh, these, you know, when Canada legalizes assisted suicide, there's going to be more people of you know, all ages and, and, and stations in life committing suicide, some people just, I don't know, for some reason, a lot of people don't connect those issues together. And I, I find that very interesting. Um, because in their yeah in their mind they they just don't see the connection um, because I think they're so focused on those talking points that you know the, these are the good suicides but the bad suicides are totally separate but you know as we see time and time again you know when you tell people it's okay to kill yourself then vulnerable people who have depression who need to call the uh, you know suicide hotline or instead. Uh, feeling just more justified in their actions. And they are glamorizing it. I don't know if you saw the advertisement, Canadian advertisement, that yeah. fashion retailer put out um, just romanticizing the suicide of a 30-something-year-old woman, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. It was a whole ad about It was her pretty dying. long. Wow, corporations yes. going to a whole nother level. It was hey, pretty customer, long. Hey, customer, please kill yourself before right. you have a chance to give us more of your money. Yeah. What was it titled? All is Beauty? Something like that. It was some... Bas like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Basically the idea that in your last dying moments, you should be surrounded by the people you love and the things you love and not in a cold hospital bed. Which gives the implication that the goodness or badness of a death is decided not on morality of actions, but on aesthetics. Right. And I think most people could, most people can understand the aesthetic standpoint of it, but I mean, the response to that is that that's why we have hospice and you can do hospice at home. Right. That's, that's certainly an option. Um, it's uh, yeah. I'm, we haven't had any celebrities so much. I think we did see kind of after people got clued into this social contagion stuff, you know, we did start to see any celebrities that committed suicide. Um, you know, I'm thinking of people like um, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, you know, like there or Anthony Bourdain. Um, the media did, a, a, I think, a pretty good job of not glamorizing it and portraying it as a tragedy, which I think is critically important for at-risk mm -hmm. people. But, I mean, yeah, at some point when your society is so steeped in talking about how great assisted suicide is, um, yeah, it flips. And at that point, I mean, at that point, then the societal expectations will flip, too, from um, why haven't you committed suicide right. if your life isn't worth living? I mean, right now, I mean, just in America, in states like Michigan, where we don't have it, still the pressure from um, 
you know, hospitals and insurance companies and other family members who all have an economic interest in you dying sooner, um, the, that pressure is there. But when the whole society's pressure is on, that's a... Uh, I mean, I don't know that there's pressure from your family and the hospitals if you have depression and you feel pressured to commit assisted suicide. Well, there's that like internal pressure of not wanting to like be a burden. Like society, sure. Well, there, I mean, we see in Michigan there have been. I mean, there's we haven't got a, we haven't got a lot of these calls lately, which I find interesting. But we were getting in a couple of years there a, long, a bunch of calls. You know. Um, this family member is basically encouraging my parent not to seek uh, treatment for this or that or is neglecting them uh, because they don't want to A, or they don't want to take care of them or B, you know, they're in the will and they have to, they're going to gain significantly right. financially. Um, so, yeah. They, yeah, the language is all couched in choice and right. I mean, you could say suicide, and, but then you yeah. add assisted suicide, and somehow it's that's all better, all better. All better. And it was their choice, and we support them. Um, I think before we wrap it up, we kind of touched on this a little bit ago when we were discussing what our feature was going to be about. But um, how does this? impact Michigan, especially right now, since, um, you know, our legislators are changing and, you know, all the things in Michigan are changing from the election. What, what does us sharing a border with Canada mean? So, um, I, I would say that I, it's, while we're pretty sure of the abortion positions of every single incoming legislator and existing legislator, we're not entirely sure where they would stack up on the issue of assisted suicide. But the fact that uh, a couple of years ago they did bring up a bill to legalize assisted suicide in Michigan, um, you know, the, the Democrats don't have a large majority in the Michigan legislature, but uh, they could they could go there. And there's nothing to really stop them because they have the, the House and the Senate and the governor. I don't know that I've heard Governor Whitmer's position on um, assisted suicide or euthanasia. Um, I mean, I think we can probably as Well, sometimes some of them, you know, and I'll say that there is kind of a racial disparity of the views on the cultural acceptance of it and... I think some minorities are more experienced or have thought a lot more about that pressure and, you know, nefarious activities of hospitals and whatnot and, mm. you know, how those things could be used against them. But, yeah, it's something we need to keep a close eye on because if, you know, we don't have a majority of pro-life legislators and if the other side thinks they have a majority on assisted suicide, they can go for it and they can pass it. I don't. E I, I don't even think this is a legislative issue. The social contagion is here, and we can see that in abortion. We don't care about the vulnerable lives that cannot protest their death. So just extrapolate that a couple more years. I don't know, a decade, maybe less, maybe more. We won't care about the the seniors, the old folks, the disabled people who can't protest their death. At societally that just makes sense to me right i mean we look at 
our society looks at the unborn as a burden. Right. Why would we not look at old people as a burden? Burden of finance. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, there's women that they want their babies, so they're not a burden, even though society tells them. But And then you look at old people and... I don't know. I can. There's a lot of parallels to the two arguments, so I can see where it would, it could find its way here. Unfortunately. And uh, I think our my final thought. I don't know if you two want to have a share. Quick final thought is, but you know, as we continue to see economic issues and aging of society, uh, you know, the, the economic interest in favor of basically offing. The sick and the disabled and the aged is going to accelerate quickly, and it's going to become perhaps a you know a, a political football between the generations. You know, I don't want to say we're ever going to go full Logan's Run. Um, if anyone's ever seen or heard of that movie out there, but uh, it's not unreasonable to see why some people would think that's acceptable. Or the Giver. You know, I've I've it's never I've I never read the Giver. much more Everyone generationally. Of, yeah, <laughs> you should read it or just watch the movie. Please don't watch the movie. Read the book. <laughs> Go watch Logan's Run. It's great. It's from the '60s. They have the the, the they have the light in their hands. It's pretty cool. Huh. Don't read no book. No. Um, <laughs> all right. On that erudite note, uh, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week. Stay warm and have a wonderful weekend.